feel like you're less farther away, just come close. Come close. Don't be miles away. Come close. There you go. Thank you. Oh, okay. You what? I like you. It's good when you're close, because it's good. All right. Bye. There we go. I feel like I'm in small group now, because so many people are away. I'm kind of just come, come close. So um, just before Christmas, um, we started reading through Mark. I don't know whether you remember that back in the day. Um, so we started and we got to about halfway through. And if you've never read the book of Mark, it's just full of stories about Jesus, which is ace, and I love it. And we're just going to carry on this morning and up towards Easter with the remaining half all about Mark. So um, when I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to talk about this morning, oh, don't you love it? There's, oh, you always know there's a thing he wants you to talk about when you can just, you just can't get it from your mind. Um, and it's even better, for me anyway, when God highlights something to me that I've never even noticed before. I mean, I've read this passage that we're looking at so many times and I've never even noticed this. So let's turn to Mark chapter 10. If you've got a Bible, take a look. Or if you've got a phone, switch it on. Whatever you want to do. Now, my Bible calls this passage the rich young ruler. So people would normally expect, you know talk about generosity or compassion nope not this morning the context that Jesus is speaking on here is about money but that's just not what I think God wants to talk about this morning I think it I think it's hidden one little word and I'm going to read it to you and I'm going to pick out this one word here we go Mark chapter 10 starting at verse 16 uh, 17 as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So the one verse that kept, well, the one word that kept coming back to me was in, um, in verse 21. It's Jesus looked at him and loved him. It's weird, hey, how that just jumps out. It just completely jumped out at me. And the thing about Mark is, you might remember this from um, when we looked at it before Christmas, Mark loves a bit of detail. He's the one who you would love at a crime scene. You know, he'd remember everything on the floor. Or I was thinking of that game. Did you ever play this when you were younger? Maybe it's just me and my age. Maybe you'll help me out over here. Um, 
so my gran used to have this like tray and she'd put like things on it. Do you remember that? And she, there'd be like a glove and a pen and a, I don't know, some random thing she found in a cupboard and something else. And then she'd go, right, you've got a minute to remember everything on this tray. And you'd, <laughs> and then you go, right, I know it, I know it. And then she'd put the tea towel on top. And so then she'd go, what do you remember? And I'd always leave like two or three things out. I'd be like, oh man, that's so annoying. Mark would not do that. Mark would own that game. He would just be all over this game. He loves a bit of detail. And the one thing that I love is he doesn't just remember what Jesus said to this rich guy. He remembers how he said it. Like, how does he remember how something was said? I mean, I could think of all the conversations that we had this morning, and I would never really think about how you, how you said it to somebody. And Mark remembers it. Jesus looked at this young ruler and he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. Because you see, the thing is, Jesus wants to go beyond the man's questions and quest for knowledge. This guy is all about, how can I do this? How can I do that? What do I need to know? What do I need to know? And, and I think Jesus just knows that money is more often than not a heart issue anyways. And so he, he speaks lovingly to the man so that it, it registers with his heart. And I think this morning, Jesus wants to speak lovingly to you. I think he wants to just surpass the head knowledge and to speak just directly to your heart. So, um, so we're going to press in on that. And I'm going to have a second Bible passage going on at the same time just to expand on the way... Jesus wants to connect with us. It's, um, it's taken from another book in the Bible called Ephesians, and it's written by a guy called Paul. And this is, oh, I just think this language is pretty beautiful. It's Ephesians 4, no, Ephesians 3, sorry, verse 14 through to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And this is the key bit. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. <sighs> Such an amazing, I just love it. And I love the bit, we're just going to start at verse um, 17 really. The bit about you being rooted and grounded in love. I just want to tell you, Jesus is all about love. The whole message of Jesus coming to earth to die for us and then being raised again, it's all about love. And as we look at the rest of the book of Mark and we hear about what happens at Easter in the upcoming weeks, the whole message, like the beginning and the ending, starts with love. And there's no other motivation in the heart of God towards us than ridiculous, like overwhelming immeasurable love for me and you and I don't know about you but sometimes I I kind of feel like 
Sometimes the focus of Jesus's life, death and resurrection becomes about sin and all the stuff that we do wrong. And is it really a case that God hated sin so much so that he sent his son to die for us? Because I don't, I don't think that's God's motivation at all. I think the true motivation as to why he sent Jesus is just John 3, 16. If you know that verse, you might not, so I'll read it to you. It's God so loved the world that he gave his son. He loved the world. It wasn't your, it wasn't your sin that was the focus. It wasn't the, the shame on you that was the focus. It was his affection for you that was his focus. That was his motivation in sending Jesus. And so this whole thing of you being rooted and grounded in love, oh, I love it. The invitation of God the Father to you, to your hearts this morning, is firstly to, to just let love be your foundation. Know where your journey starts. And some of you may be thinking, this isn't actually what I signed up for. When I gave my yes to Jesus, I thought, I was going to learn more or be a better person or I was going to learn how to please God. And that's just not what following Jesus is all about. It's not about learning to be good. <laughs> Jesus loves himself. Uh, Jesus loves you so much that he gave himself for you because he wants to set you free so that you can walk in freedom and truly be yourself. It's just like the rich young ruler. He he looked at him and he loved him. It's like you're loved, you're loved. So let love be your foundation. And secondly, let love, love be your comprehension. Let's look at verse 18. It's such beautiful words. I'm praying that you may have strength to comprehend, to understand with all the saints, that's us, what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his affection. It's like, um, it's like God is inviting you to get to grips in your mind, like the dimensions of his love. It's like slightly, a slightly tongue-in-cheek invitation because he's like, come on now, come on, let's have it. I want to invite you to push the, the depths of this. I want to invite you to run as far as you can in any direction in your mind to see if you can touch the walls and touch the edges and touch the boundary lines of my love because you can't do it. It's like, come on, let's try. It's like you, you can't do it. You can't understand. But try, just like see if you can. And he's saying, um, he's saying spend time grappling with my affection for you. It's a bonkers thing to get your head around. I mean, where do you even start with trying to understand how much God loves us? So here's maybe a starting point. We often say, what do, you, what do you think God says about you? But how about asking God what he feels about you? Just like right now, what does he feel, what does he feel about you? Is it deeper than the stuff that we do wrong? Is it, is it deeper than the things we should do but don't do? Is it deeper than your last failure? How wide, how wide does this love go for you? So first invitation, let love be your foundation. Secondly, let love be your comprehension. This is the one I just want to nail. I just think God wants to nail this morning. Let love be your experience. So verse 19, 
It's and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So the love that verse 19 is talking about here is, is agape. It's like the highest form of love in the Bible. And whenever the Bible talks about agape love, it's, it's just referring to this um, part of the Bible in the book of John, in the first book of John, which says this is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. So Jesus is the ultimate, right? He's the ultimate expression of love. The son of God who came to earth, he died for all our rubbish stuff, our sin, and he dies for people who never ever could have earned it or deserved it so that we can be free from all our guilt, shame, everything. I mean, that's, that's the love that they, he's talking about here. And it's not like a flaky kind of love. It's not based on feelings. It's not a love that says yesterday and then no tomorrow. It's a, it's a cross-bearing love. And it's a love that was poured out for you freely in, in its all-consuming, never-ending, won't-let-you-down type way. It's pretty outrageous, actually. And it's extravagant. I mean, we've been looking on Alpha about um, how people can be forgiven and, and like some of the people on that we've been thinking about, like how can they ever be forgiven of this stuff? It's like this love, it's like we can't understand it. And, and we're all kind of wrestling with it going, what they can be forgiven from that? Like how far do you go to be forgiven? You know, and it, it's just mind grappling stuff. It's outrageous actually that God can forgive us of all that stuff. And it's so extravagant. And some of you may think you're not worthy or maybe you think other people, like what we would say, what Ezra would say, really bad people, he, he might say not, they're not worthy. But somewhere along the road, you've believed the lie that you have to behave in the right way or you feel like you've got to earn it or other people have got to earn it in order to experience his love for them or for you, and that, that's just not who God is. It's an unconditional love, and it's extravagant. And verse 19 in Ephesians says this, that we would know. Don't you think that's such an interesting word, that we would know? That we would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It, it's like something you know from experience. Like, you know that you know that you know. You know that there must be things in your life that you think, I know it, because I know, I know. So here's an example. <coughs> Sam is currently learning to um, drive-ish. And he is learning all the facts, the rules about the road from the highway code. So technically, he knows how to drive, right? Technically, he's... Actually, it's tomorrow, his um, thingy-majiggy. What do you call it? Theory test. Technically, he should know. He's read the book. He's... We'll see. PJ knows all about this, don't you? Well done. Good job. Come on. So, so technically, once you've read the highway code, you know how to drive, or do you? Actually, I think it's only until you sit in front of the steering wheel and you... Drop the clutch, put the key in the ignition, 
and like you stall, like I did when I first got in a car many moons ago, do you kind of like experience what it's like so you can have your head knowledge of the highway code and yet you don't know what it's like until you actually get in the car. Here's his first experience of it. This was first time. Full-on clutch. Wait, handbrake. A little bit of accelerator. Right, I've got it. Oh, stop that. <laughs> Here we go! Ah, That's a very short, but very real experience. So this is what I think God's up to this morning. Oh, I've gone echoey. I think God wants to surpass your head knowledge of his love for you. So you know he loves you. Or you might not know. But you've got some level of head knowledge. And I just think he wants to you, you to experience his love for you. That's just what Jesus is doing with this rich young ruler, which we read about um, in Mark at the beginning. The rich young ruler wants to know or what he can do about inheriting eternal life. How you can understand everything in your mind and all the rest of it. And Jesus looks at him, loves him, and he speaks right into his heart. He wants the rich young ruler to experience God's love through his heart. And just to reflect to him where the young man's heart was, really, concerning his love for money. So... This, this bit in Ephesians just talks about this ridiculous magnitude and extent of God's love that's available for us. So, like, why would we not grasp this with everything that's in us? If this is available to us, it's like, why would you not grasp this? Now, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, isn't saying that head knowledge is futile, that we shouldn't learn or read about God's love. Jesus didn't say to the rich young ruler, you know, what are you asking all these questions for, you banana? He's like, no, that's important. But Paul is saying there's got to be more than this theological concept. There's so much more. And the rich young ruler, from what we read, sadly chose not to experience God's love. I mean, we don't know what happens after that, but we don't hear any, anything else from it. But throughout the Bible and from people here, there's like countless stories of people who've encountered the, lo the love of God and their lives have changed like forever. So to finish, the challenge for us is that heart knowledge has a way of creeping back to become head knowledge. 
unless you steward it and unless you press into it, unless you keep pursuing it. Like Sam, he needs to keep learning to drive to experience what it's like at roundabouts, at traffic lights on the motorway. And so for some of us, and I know this is the case for me, there's that incredible experience of encountering Jesus that have been remarkable, but unless I keep saying, do you know what? How are we going to experience each other today, Jesus? How are we going to encounter each other today? And then tomorrow, how are we going to experience, you know, your love for me tomorrow? And what can happen is that beautiful moment of encounter creeps back up into your head so that it just becomes theory all over again. Or maybe if we're using the driving analogy, we kind of get, become satisfied with our one experience. So you could just lay stuck on the side roads of Edinburgh and you never get to experience the, the open roads of the highlands or, I don't know, the thrill of the motorway. You're just stuck. You're just This is my experience of God. And you know what? You'll know this to be true if you can listen to these words even now this morning. You're listening to them and you're like, yeah, 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 God's love is good. Yeah, me, yeah. It's not earth shattering, Kate. And I, I'm not saying that to be rude or to be cheeky or funny because I've been there. Sometimes as, as leaders, you, it's like dangerous territory because you talk about something so often. It's my role to tell you how much God loves you. So it's my role and, and you guys to experience the love of God every day. Because it should be so overwhelmingly scandalous in a way that every time we talk about God's love, we, we should just kind of be undone. Because once someone, you know that person, right? You know that person who's just fallen in love. I know you all do. They just can't stop talking about this person it's like, oh, did I tell you something cute about them? Did I tell you that other thing that they did the other day? And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is the 10th time I've heard about this this morning. And they're like, oh, did I just tell you about what they did? And they just like, they just ooze this kind of, I don't know, you know, because you know, you've met that person before. Or it's someone who's just had a child. So before I had the boys, I knew about the theory of unconditional love but I'd never experienced it before, really, in the same way, until I'd had them. And <laughs> it's a daily experience, even at 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight, when they want to talk. It's a daily experience of, of understanding this unconditional love for them. And so it's not just for other people. It's not for the person sitting next to you this morning. It's, it's for you. Just think about you for a minute. You may never or haven't for a while encountered the love of God, like experienced the love of God. And you might be thinking, I genuinely have no idea what you're talking about. But this is also for you who's had multiple encounters with the love of God, and you're like hungry for more. And God's never, he's never blasé about meeting with us. He's so eager to meet with us. And I love it because oh, this last bit is gold. Are you ready for this last bit of Ephesians? It's still part of 
Here we go. Verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Here we go. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Like what? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Right. So tell me about God some more. Shout out some words. What you think about God. What, or what you know about God. Love. What else? Father. Good. Justice. Powerful. What else? Kind. Creative. Faithful. Compassionate. You're on fire this morning, Andrew. Like, <laughs> creative, majestic, awesome, all those things, he wants to stuff you to the brim of. Like, that's all for you. Does that not, like, mess with your head? That just completely messes with my head. Like, that you may be filled to the measure of all, every word that we can think of about God, the fullness of God, that you may be filled with all that. Like, what? What would that look like? Can you imagine? That would be pretty cool, right? If we were stuffed full of all the goodness of God... I mean, I was sitting on that for like an hour going, I still have, I can't even get my head around that. There's not a single part of him that he has held back or reserved for himself. He's not like, uh uh, this is mine. You're not having that bit. It's like all of it. He's given it all and he wants you to experience it. And it starts with his love. It's like, so that, that you may be filled to the measure. So that's why he came to save you so that he can fill you with all this stuff. Does that mess with you? Does that just, is it just me? Or just, can you imagine that? So let love be your foundation. Let love be your understanding. But more than anything, I just think God wants you to let love be your experience. So why don't we just stand and see if those words are true? Because <laughs> if they're not, let's just stop wasting our time, eh?